Welcome to the Revival Center Podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and thoughts from our church. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that he should be as they requested, and he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Now skipping down to verse 32, same chapter. There was also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do not you even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, As surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. We're talking about Jesus tonight. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the reading of your word. I pray let it convict us tonight. Let us see ourselves in it. And let us glorify you for what you have done. We are here tonight because of what you have done. You created this moment. We have gathered in your name. So Holy Spirit, speak to our heart. For we are listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' work climaxes in his willing self-sacrifice on the cross of what we just read. As with his last gasp, he breathes out his trust in God. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, and this was the end. By Jesus' self-sacrifice and by the Father's mighty deed of resurrection, Jesus passes fully into the position of eternal king, which was foretold at his birth in Luke 1, 32 and 33. It was prophesied, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and now that was fulfilled. This is truly God's beloved son. 
faithful unto death as he works on behalf of all who have fallen into the poverty of sin and death indeed of a redemption we cannot provide for ourselves we are all poor and powerless in the face of our sin and the world's brokenness but yet in his resurrection we find ourselves transformed in every aspect of life as we are caught up in this extravagant love of God tonight. There is much we could talk about in these passages, obviously. But I want us to focus and allow our focus to fall here. The result of Jesus' suffering in the lives of two people that we just read about. We know this suffering of Jesus was for our forgiveness of sin to gain eternal life of, of, with Christ. We know that is true. But notice how two people that we just read about, their interaction was different when met with Jesus. So number one, I want to draw your attention to Herod's interaction and the thief's interaction with Jesus. Notice how the two were different. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, tonight and those watching by live stream, I want to make sure that your interaction with Christ tonight is of the thief and not of the Herod. So I'm just letting you know up front which direction I'm going. So let's look at Herod real quick. Now remember who Herod is in the Bible of what we just read. Herod is a man who had a chance to change but didn't take it and was never offered another chance. Let me say that again. Herod was offered a chance to change. He did not take it, and he was never offered another chance again. That's a sobering thought, ladies and gentlemen. On Good Friday morning, Jesus stood before this man as a trial. What happened on that fateful day led directly to the crucifixion of Christ, and it also sealed Herod's eternal destiny. Remember, I can't say Herod's last name, but I'm going to give it a shot one time. I will not give it a shot a second time in this service. Herod Antipas, A-N-T-I-P-A-S. So y'all can help a brother out tonight. Herod is the son of another Herod, which the, the, his father is known as Herod the Great. That was his father. It was his father who had the babies killed when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That, that's the same lineage. However, this Herod that we just read about in the scripture is the man who ordered the beheading of John the Baptist. And he is the only man that I could find in scripture that Jesus ever refused to speak to when given a chance. Now, the reason I find that fascinating that Jesus refused to speak to this man is because I want you to think a moment the history of Jesus. Do we not see the Lord being the friend of sinners? I mean, the reason, one of the reasons he got crucified was because he would talk to sinners. But yet when face to face with Herod, he did not speak a word. Think about the prostitute. He allowed the prostitute to wet his feet with tears. And he pronounces that her sins have been forgiven. While all the other folks in the room is criticizing that move in that interaction. Think about the blind man who was crying out for mercy. And Jesus stops on his journey to heal him. Think about the tax collector who crawls up a tree to watch him. And Jesus not only bids him to come down, but he goes to that man's house for dinner. And he welcomes all and he spurs no one. And he is, 
He is accused as a man who eats with sinners, yet he refused to speak to Herod. What had Herod done to deserve such treatment from the Son of God? We have heard of the love of Jesus all throughout the Gospels. But yet in this story, we begin to see a taste of the wrath of the Lamb. He avoided Herod. He did not engage him. He did not try to persuade him. He did not try to show him his error of his ways. He sent him a message of a stinging rebuke with no words. He would not even speak to him. You see, Herod that we just read is seldom mentioned in the New Testament. We see him clearly in these two episodes, the death of John the Baptist and the trial of Jesus a few hours before he is crucified. Taking these two instances together, a picture begins to emerge of a man that contains a strange mixture of qualities. He is arrogant, spiritually curious, morally weak, easily seduced, prone to rash statements, and unwilling to commit himself to the truth. Herod then meets Jesus, but it didn't work out the way Herod expected. Because we read there in Luke 23 that whenever he saw Jesus walked in, he was greatly pleased to see him. He was like, oh good, finally, finally, everybody be quiet. Look, it's Jesus. Come on in here. I've been waiting to see you. It greatly pleased him because what he thinks is Jesus is going to work a miracle two or three or four with him. In other words, he had heard about some of the miracles that Jesus had done, turning water into wine, and he was ready for his own private magic show. Okay? Hey, you walked on water. I have a pool back here. Jesus, won't you go and try it out on that pool? I would love to see you walk on water. Are you listening to what I'm saying? He is curious, but he is not a seeker of truth, ladies and gentlemen. Herod is nothing more than a thrill seeker. The laughter turned to embarrassment and eventually it turned to anger in that courtroom. There are times in life when silence speaks louder than words. Mm. Jesus knew that Herod was trifling with him and that his questions did not come from an honest heart. Do we have discernment? He saw no reason to answer and so he opened not his mouth. Proverbs 26 verse 4 says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. It is on the sermon on the mount that Jesus warned against casting pearls before the swine or giving what is holy to the dogs. Herod belonged to that class of men who were so pig-headed in their spiritual blindness and so dogged in their own resistance to the truth that nothing could be said and nothing should be said. That is a stinging indictment. That you've come to a place that your conscience are so seared before Jesus that he stands before you and he doesn't even talk to you. My goodness, help me. There was nothing that Jesus could say at that moment that would have the slightest difference in that situation. You want to talk about a hard heart, ladies and gentlemen? By his silence, Jesus is saying, you don't want to hear the truth. You didn't want to hear the truth when John spoke to you. You said no then. Now you will never hear the truth again. And Jesus accepted this man's answer of no. Accepted it. 
Again, I want you to note for the record how eager Christ was often, how eager he was to respond to anyone who called out to him. Again, he, he welcomed prostitutes, drunkards, hated tax collectors, despised Samaritans. He gladly meets with Pharisees who would come to him by night. And he even answers the lawyers who would try to trip him up with clever questions. Whenever Christ finds a heart that is even slightly open, he responds with grace and with truth. But Herod's heart was in a class all by itself. It had been closed ever since the death of John the Baptist. And that is why Jesus had nothing to say to him. He murdered John. He became curious about Jesus. He treated him like some sort of two-bit carnival sh- sideshow. And in the end, his, morale, his moral abilities were paralyzed. He did not respond because he could not respond. His eternal fate was sealed long before his earthly death. The silence of Jesus was his sentence of judgment on Herod. Herod heard the truth over and over again from John the Baptist. And the truth that could have saved him, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, ended up condemning him. Did you hear what I just said? The message that could have saved him is the exact message that ultimately condemned him. You see, it's not enough to hear the truth. It's not enough to know the truth. It's not enough to like the truth it's not enough to listen to the truth over and over again it's not enough to be deeply convicted about the truth no you have to respond to the conviction light received leads to more light light rejected only leads to darkness point number two note the thief the thief described is described in the text Graphically, the condition of every soul that is before a holy God. Every soul. Watch this. Do you realize that the thief had a physical helplessness about him? The thief was literally nailed to a cross. He was on the cross. Physically, this man could do nothing to save himself. Are you listening to me? I know this is a subdued service, but uh, uh, this is the part where I'm going to want to preach a little bit. No amount of him striving, nothing he could do to get, could get himself off of that cross. He was totally helpless to the situation that he was in. Ladies and gentlemen, we are totally helpless to the sin situation that we are nailed to tonight. Number two, this man was morally corrupt. Corrupt. This thief was morally corrupt and he was justly being crucified for his sin. He openly admitted his guilt whenever he rebuked the other thief for mocking Jesus because he said, listen, man, you need to be quiet. You need to shut your mouth because we are justly getting what we deserved. Scripture clearly teaches that everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have spiritual death upon us as well. Just like this thief was physically dying, he was also spiritually dying. It is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 that reminds us of who we identify with. As for you, you were Dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
So we, like the thief on the cross, share a spiritual death that disqualifies us from heaven. We need someone and something greater than our sin to make us alive so that we can respond to Jesus' offer of eternal paradise. Now watch. The conversation or the conversion of a sinner different than that of Herod. You see, Jesus wouldn't even speak to Herod. But to this thief, he entertained the conversation. What's the difference? Both were sinners. Both were morally corrupt. The difference is Jesus recognized that the thief's heart was open to the message. So watch what happens. This is how how it happened. The thief admitted his sins. Is there anybody in the room tonight who would admit your sins? We are being punished justly, he said. The sad reality is, and you know this to be true. I know I'm talking to the choir. I'm in a good Friday service, Friday night at 6 p.m. I know who I'm talking to. But how many of you know? There are many people who are unwilling to admit their sin before a holy God. They want to boast of how good they are or how they are not as bad as one of their friends they see on Facebook. Well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. At least I don't do what she does. But only by admitting your sin or as the Bible uses the word confessing your sin can you ever receive forgiveness. Notice what this thief did. This thief acknowledged Jesus. This is astounding to me that even with Christ's hands nailed to a cross, he had a crown of thorns upon his head. The thief acknowledged his lordship. Everybody else was saying the fact that you can't get yourself off the cross proves to me you are not the Christ. But to the thief. He was saying, the fact that you put yourself up here, allowed them to put the nails in your hands, proves to me you are the Christ. Dear God, help me say this. Woo! Mm, 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 mm. And then the thief asked for salvation. You got to ask. He, um, he humbly asked Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? I am convinced that the large majority of people, especially in Shelby County, (laughs) Talladega County, St. Clair County, where else y'all from? Let me say Coffee County, that's where I'm from. Everybody that I know from Geneva County, down in my neck of the woods, I, I I am completely convinced that they have sufficient knowledge about the message of Jesus Christ. I think somebody, somewhere along the way, they've heard the name of Jesus. The majority. I'm not saying 100%, but I'm saying there's more people in our area that has heard Jesus preached than some of those villages I've been to in Ecuador. You tracking with me? I've been to some places, and I'm comparing the two. Okay? Listen to me. That The people here understand that Jesus is the Son of God who gave His life for the sins of the world, the very most basic concepts of the gospel. They may not understand that Jesus follows the priesthood of Melchizedek, but you don't got to know all that to get saved. You just got to know the basics. Listen to me. They have heard the gospel. Some would openly admit their sinful condition, but they have never asked Jesus 
to be their savior. That's the difference. That's the difference. They are unwilling to turn from their sin in repentance. Instead, they choose to willingly reject Christ until they say they are ready. I believe what you say is true, preacher man, but I'm just not ready to do that today. You see, the thief was saved from his sin and entered eternal paradise because he admitted his sin, acknowledged the supremacy of Christ, and asked for salvation. What Jesus did for this thief on that day, he'll do for you. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. So I'm about to be done right here. Notice the compassion of the Savior. The conversation of the sinner was made possible because of the love of the Savior. You see, he said this to the, he said this to the thief. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. No matter what you have done in the past, you can be saved today. And that's the most important aspect of what today means. The scripture says, now is the acceptable time and today is the day of salvation. So don't miss this part. He says, today you will be with me in paradise, is is what he told the thief. Now, I've often wondered this. Whenever other believers who knew the thief as a thief, and they didn't know that he had that little uh, special private conversation just between him and Jesus on his deathbed, I wonder what the other saved folks thought when they got to heaven and they saw that thief up there. They got up there and said, wait a minute. Aren't you that thievery joker who used to steal all them horses or cows or whatever he was thieving or whatever he was stealing? What is that thief doing with Jesus? And then I can imagine Jesus coming up to whoever was shocked that they saw this man in heaven and say, don't you worry about it. This man is with me. Come on, somebody. And and guess what? That's all of our testimonies. (laughs) You know what? There's some folks that knew you before you got saved, and then they passed away, and they, so they never knew that you got saved. And when they see you walk up into heaven, I mean, what are you doing here? <laughs> so in conclusion, in conclusion, do you want to have your sins forgiven? That's a question. I'm asking you that question. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? That's a question. I'm asking you that tonight. Do you want to live in the light instead of being enslaved by the darkness of this world? That's a question. Well, this is what you must do. You must do the same thing the thief did. Look to the cross and know the way of the cross leads you home. You see, in the end, do not treat Jesus as a thing of little value or importance. This is Herod and the thief. Conviction of sin is dangerous if it does not lead you to repentance. Dangerous. I almost would say, I'm not almost, I'm about to say it, but if you wanted to challenge me on this, fine, I, I'm gonna put it out there, but because I know it's a little controversial. This is a controversial statement, but I feel like it would almost be better to be a heathen in the jungle and never hear the gospel than to hear it again and again and again and then do nothing about it. Conviction ignored leads to spiritual indifference. Hello, Europe. 
post-Christian. Hello, America, post-Christian. To sit there and to hear the gospel message and it prick you and you do nothing about it. It sears your conscience. It gives you a, a nastiness towards the things of God. And the message that is supposed to save you is the message that will condemn you. Let me finish the story, and then we're going to take communion. Would you go to the next slide? About 6.30 a.m. on Good Friday, the six trials of Jesus are coming to an end. Soon he's going to be scourged, beaten, bloodied, and crowned with a wreath of thorns. Slowly he will lead the procession through the narrow streets of Jerusalem. And when he falls under the load, a, a guy named Simon will be summoned from the crowd to carry the cross. Soon they will come to the skull hill and the Roman guards will begin their work. At 9 a.m., the Son of God will be crucified. And so Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He did not resist. He did not fight back. He did not call legions of angels to come to his aid. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Burdened with the sins of the world, Jesus would not be released from his suffering until he had accomplished the Father's will through his bloody death on the cross. Next slide. The acts of sinful men and cowardly rulers sink into the darkened background. Around the cross shines a holy light from heaven. Jesus is here because he obeyed his Father's will. Nothing happens by accident. Every detail fits into God's predetermined plan. And 10,000 times 10,000 praises shall ever rise to thee, Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Now is the right time to come to Christ. Now is the best day you'll ever have to give your heart to the Lord. Now is the perfect moment to get serious about following Jesus because behold, now is the day of salvation. Amen and amen. For more information about the Revival Center, visit us on the web at revivalcenterag.com.